everybody, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Stephen Perkins. I'm the editor-in-chief here at the Outset Network, and this is the show where we speak to the up-and-coming emerging leaders within the conservative movement, uh, some of them writers, some of them uh, activists, some of them entrepreneurs, uh, some of them former candidates for public office, um, some of them winners of public office. But Regardless, happy that you're joining us uh, again this week. So this is a show where I usually interview people, but this week is a little different uh, because I'm not going to be interviewing anybody. But I do have, um, I do have something that I, I I think will be good to kind of wrap up some of the things that we've learned so far through our interviews. If you've been listening for the past, oh I don't know, couple of months, um, you've heard a lot of different people. Um, come on the show and speak about how they were successful and uh, and kind of their strategies for becoming better at their craft. And uh, on today's episode, I want to share the seven uh, habits of effective conservative leaders, which is kind of a spin on the seven habits of highly effective people. But um, so these are the seven habits of highly effective conservative leaders. Um, and it's just by... It, I, I, I look over my notes and I listen to the episodes again and I um, kind of I'm picking out the patterns that I'm seeing. What are the commonalities between people? Um, what are some of the common characteristics when it comes to their careers and their journeys? And um, and ultimately, how can you emulate that in your journey and as you are trying to become a conservative leader? So I just want to jump right into it uh, and, uh, and and start with uh, with with this, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna begin by saying that um, if you've listened to these episodes or I've interviewed people, you, you'll see that I ask a lot of them the same questions, and it's not because I'm I'm not good at coming up with new questions. Um, it's because these questions actually reveal a lot about who people are, um, and can help explain not only why they do the things they do, but what direction they're heading in. And you can often pick up patterns and. Um, and, and commonalities that way. So the first one I usually ask people is, uh, where were they raised? What was their childhood like? But ultimately, I, but ultimately I ask about their parents because I'm always curious if their parents were politically involved and engaged. And what I've noticed through my interviews is that most of the people I've interviewed, their parents were not overly political when they were kids, they, they did not know their parents' political affiliation until their late teens. Um, but to to kind of expand on that, uh, overwhelmingly, the parents of the people who I've interviewed have been engaged in the sense that they voted. And I think that's a really important thing because um, there's certainly a link between parents who vote and the political engagement of their children. And, and there is kind of a breakdown between parents who just vote and then parents who vote and take their kids with them. Um, and there's been a mix of those people on this program, people who have gone with their parents to vote or people who just knew their parents voted. But what we found is that th their parents are not overly political uh, in the sense that they're not necessarily talking about politics at the dinner table. Um, I have found that, that they talk about current events but um, none of my guests have ever said that their parents um, were really kind of ideologues and, uh, and, and, and pushing them in that direction. They learned later 
uh, what their parents' political affiliation was. And that actually, that kind of mirrors my own, uh, my own, uh, experiences. Uh, my parents would vote and I would go with them to vote. Um, but they, they never really spoke about politics. I mean, my, both my mom and dad would, uh, would vote across party lines. Um, my mom would usually say that, uh, she would vote for, uh, the opposite of whoever my dad voted for just to cancel out his vote. And that's true love, you know? Uh, so that's the first habit. I, I, I guess you could say it's a habit. That, that's the first characteristic of the people who have been on the shows that their parents were not overly political, but they were engaged. The second thing is that most of the people who have come on this program, uh, got involved in politics at a young age. Um, some of them younger than others. We talked to Benji Backer who got involved really young. Some of them, uh, they got involved 16, 17. Um, so that, that what we determine a young age kind of changes and, and is flexible, but nonetheless, young as in they got involved before college or, or, or certainly before they got out of college. What's also interesting, and this kind of fits in with this one, they got involved when they were young, but they also got involved in a local level. I've talked on this program before about how people often uh, feel as if federal politics is more interesting and sexy and exciting than local and state politics. But really, when you look at the effective and the successful activist and the leaders, uh, you'll see that they understand that all politics is local and that uh, some of the most important issues are on the local level. And so that is where they got involved. It's also much easier to get involved on the local level. Uh, it's hard to, um, to to get involved on the federal level, not just because the presidential campaign is only every four years, but also because it, there's just a lot, it's a much bigger machine. Whereas on the local level, you can get involved with your local politicians and actually form a relationship with them and kind of springboard from there. Which takes me into my third characteristic, my third uh, habit of these people, is that they connected er they connected with others early on in their journey. Um, so just as they were starting local and they were starting young, they were also using that as a moment to seek out mentors and seek out not even just mentors, but just people to, to join them in their journey, team members to, uh, uh, to um, join them in, in whatever their ambitions were, friends. Uh, I, I think we see this a lot within the young conservative movement is that it's, it's easy to make friends with each other. Um, and, and that's, that's a fun thing, but it's also something that I think sets us up for success. Um, gosh, when I think of just last week's episode with Cade Marsh, um, the team that he was able to assemble across Florida on college campuses, it really shows you that, um, while it may be uncomfortable sometimes to share, uh, your ambitions with people and, and kind of, um, connect with them and, and and network in that way, it can really pay off and it can really lead to your success. So they've connected with others and they did that fairly early on. Um, the fourth thing is that they started in a niche topic. Most of the people I talked to, they started in some sort of niche area in terms of, you know, I, I see a lot of people today who, um, they they want to be generalists, which is to say that they want to be experts on everything, writers who want to write about all sorts of topics. Um, and the challenge that I give people at outset and outside of outset um, is to really pick a topic and become an expert on that topic. Really um, focus your energy and your attention and your intellect on one topic or a couple of topics, a handful of topics, 
Um, but nonetheless, become interested in one thing. But what we've seen from people in this program is that it's not so much that they became experts in one topic, but they they became involved in one topic. For Benji Backer, it was education. For Amanda Owens, uh, she started small. Um, she started small with with her FFL store, so she didn't immediately launch into this big line of of multiple collections. She started small, and and I think there is there's value in that. Starting small, starting with something very specific, and then growing from there. Um, the fifth one is that they read. Imagine that. I mean, you know, you have Tommy Lahrens out there who don't read. But nonetheless, if you want to become a, a conservative activist who doesn't get fired, um, you need to read. Uh, and, and also what's interesting when we break this down is they're not just reading the, uh, the quote, boring classics, although I find them riveting. Uh, they're reading fiction. They're reading nonfiction. Uh, they're reading business books. Uh, they're reading political books. Um, they're reading uh, history books, uh, autobiographies, biographies, I, I guess kind of in, in the same club. Um, but they're reading a diverse set of text, which actually brings me into my sixth point, the, uh, the habits of effective conservative leaders, is that they get their news from various sources. And for the most part, if, you, uh, if you've listened to the interviews, not a lot of people say that they get their news from Drudge or Fox News um, or or what are the other very good, you know, info. Well, I'm, gosh, I don't think I'd ever I, I don't think anyone who read in, who reads InfoWars will come on the show. But uh, um, they get their news from various sources and usually middle of the road sources, which I know is kind of funny because. All news is fake news, uh, but um, but they get their news from from places like Politico, and then they go to the Hill, and then they they go to CNN, and then they're looking at NBC, and 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 uh, they may peek into the liberal publications every once in a while, but it adds to the diversity of their opinion, and and um, and and what really comes from this is they're they're seeing facts about a story about a topic from multiple angles. And then they're able to be independent thinkers as they piece all of that together. Um, and, and, and that is really the benefit of getting your news from various sources and really digging through all the available options instead of just having your couple of go-to sources that, um, that, um, that verify your beliefs. It's really about getting out of that comfort zone and finding information that will challenge you to be strong in your beliefs. And I think that's a big habit uh, of our guests on this program as well. Um, and then the last one, um, which I actually think is the most important one, I'll be quite honest with you, because I've seen it in my own career, my own journey. Um, and I think it's vital for anyone who wants to be successful in anything. It's not just something that conservative leaders uh, have a habit of doing, but it, it's something that anyone in any career, in any path, um, they have to do to be able to survive. And that is that they embrace change. So whenever something comes up and, uh, and the, the winds are changing, they, they go in that new direction. Um, and, and they're not afraid to go down a path that they have never tried before, that they're uncomfortable with. But ultimately, they embrace change. And they know that in the natural progression of a career, there is going to be change. And especially in something like politics, where things are changing, oh boy, every day, uh, they understand, all my guests have understood that that embracing that change and that uh, that um, 
difference of direction is vital to their success. And so I want to challenge all of you who are listening to, to think of these things. We'll put all of these in the show notes so you have access uh, to them quickly. But the first one, parents were not overly political, but they were engaged. Um, the second one is they got interested young and they got interested and involved on a local level. Uh, the, the third is that they connected with others and they built their network. The fourth is that they started with a niche topic or they started small and grew from there. The fifth is that, guess what? They read books. Uh, and the sixth is that they also read news and they do it from a variety of sources, especially those sources that challenge their own um, longstanding beliefs. And the seventh and possibly most important is that they embrace change. So I wanted to do this episode just as a way to uh, to kind of not wrap up because we're not we're not done with the interviews. We're continuing them. That's very much so what the show is becoming about. But just to kind of summarize what we've spoken with people over the past couple of months, um, these conservative leaders and activists and writers and business people and all, all, all the titles under the sun, kind of extract some of the things that I've noticed, some of the patterns as I've taken notes and listened uh, and, and, and conducted the interview, some of the patterns that I've noticed in their careers, and hopefully um, allow you to implement many of them, if not all of them, into your political uh, journey, uh, whether that is, or, or not even political journey, but whether that is your, your journey into business or your journey into politics and activism or your journey into media, um, but really challenge you to think about these and consider what parts of your career you can implement them in and see, who knows, maybe exponential growth. So that's all I have for this week. It's a short episode, but I want to give you those uh, those couple of observations that I have. If you had any other observations from all the interviews that we've done, go ahead and tweet me at Stephen underscore Perkins on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. And you can always find uh, the other Outset podcast at OutsetMagazine.com slash podcast. We have Liberty. We have Young Guns, which is returning tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out on Tuesday, this returning tomorrow, July 7th or July 12th. Sorry. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, and uh, we also have a lot of a lot of cool shows coming up in the fall. You can find Outset on social media at Outset Network on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. I think we're there all over the place. Um, and uh, let us know what, what you've enjoyed most about these interviews. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do another episode with some of the submissions that you all have uh, have given in. So, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Take care. God bless. Thank you.